0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. So food is always a big topic for us homesteaders, but I feel like food is a topic that's catching the um, awareness of culture as a whole lately, just because we've had all sorts of weird food shortages and everybody can't stop talking about how prices of things are going up. And so I think it's a great time to have a cultural conversation around food and what food costs and how we find good food and all of those things. So I'm really excited about my guest today. Um, Odds are, if you're on Instagram or you listen to podcasts, you've probably come across her before. Uh, It is none other than Liz Hazelmeyer from the Homegrown Education Instagram page and the Homegrown Podcast. Um, If you follow her, you know she's a wealth of information, but I really was excited for this conversation, especially because Liz doesn't have a farm. And I think that's a really, really important part of this conversation right now. I know people are buying farms and moving to the country, and that's fantastic, but What if you can't? What if you don't want to? Are you up a crick when it comes to whole food? Uh, Well, we're going to find out today. So welcome, Liz.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've had you on my list for a
0: long time, so I'm glad it worked out. Um, Can you kind of just give everybody, if they're not familiar with you and your story, just a bird's eye view of kind of the region of the country you live in and what your situation is as far as food and, you know, do you have a garden, all that kind of stuff?
1: Totally. Yeah. So I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. I live about 20 minutes from downtown. So I'm in the suburbs. um, And we are like on this little tiny cul-de-sac. We have 15 houses on our street. I think I sit on less than an acre for my whole lot. So, um we're your like very typical suburban family, but I cl- I call us a, a nourished fam because we focus on real food. And um something that's a little unique is my husband is a hunter and so we mm. have that aspect of um we don't own land that we hunt actually. We uh have become friends with a farmer who owns about 200 acres in Indiana. So, um Cincinnati's like a very tri-state area. So, we're really close to Kentucky and Indiana and so my husband uh hunts on like borrowed land and uh um we do that and we live about 3 minutes from a Kroger which we shop at often but we also um have a really great Uh, herd share program that we're a part of. And we stumbled on that, oh gosh, almost seven years ago now um, in our search for raw milk. And if you're in the state of Ohio, there's no legal retail of raw Mm -hmm. milk, but you can obtain it legally through a herd share program or something that's called a private membership association. So ours is technically the latter, but um, yeah, we basically even our garden is at our is at my parents house it's funny cuz our backyard has like a little creek running through it not great sunlight lots of trees yeah we, we have a little section of woods in our backyard which is great for our kids to play in but not yes. great garden situation so we have about a 20 by 20 garden at my parents' house. They live about five minutes down the road. But everything else, um, we're having to purchase from the food system. And so I always talk about if you're going to be a consumer of the food industry in any capacity, whether that's directly from a farmer, or rancher, or a packaged food at the store, like you have to know the food industry. And so that's really why um, I created Homegrown Education. I it it started with a more of a nutritional real food background and wanting to give my daughter some context there through curriculum because we homeschool mm-hmm. and and we love um just talking about things that Joey and I are personally passionate about um my husband did go to culinary school and does a lot of catering at the business he owns so he's a fantastic um cook honestly i'm very blessed by that but yeah. that's kind of our you know birds eye view food situation i know we can dive into specifics on some of our sourcing too.
0: yeah Super inspiring. I have so many questions I want to branch out on from there. Um, I think my first one, though, so you, I always love to hear how people kind of wake up to the food system and they start asking those really good questions. So it sounds like was it the curriculum and helping your daughter dive in deeper that was kind of your own impetus for getting to know more or was there something that was happening um, beyond that?
1: Yeah. So it, it was much earlier. It was, um, probably around the same time we got into raw dairy, uh, the catalyst for that, which, um, we, our middle daughter was born with a birth defect. It was bilateral clubbed feet, which is just like a misshaping of her feet, but she had it on both sides. And so that was an interesting, um, diagnosis. We didn't know where that came from and doctors didn't really give us a good, um, any sort of reasoning. So, mm. not that we blamed our um, environment or choices or anything necessarily on that, but it just made us wonder how can something like that happen? Was it just positional? You know, all those things could have been yes. true. Um, and she is beautiful and healthy today, and her feet have been corrected. So, it, it's not even really. Um, a lingering issue. But what happened was it woke us up to, hey, are there things that are in our control that we can start making better decisions on? Because prior to that time, I mean, gosh, I think I was eating like two bowls of cereal a day when I was pregnant because it was like my favorite food. um, I I share openly on my um, page as well that I had a really terrible eating disorder in high school. And so, you know, binging on all this highly processed, um, high sugar, high Fat food was common for me because otherwise I was um, restricting, and so I had a terrible relationship with food. Um, went through inpatient treatment, was you know healed in a sense of no longer having disordered eating, but still didn't understand from a nutritional standpoint my food. Then had a couple babies and realized, wow, my health could probably improve. And you know, if I if we're going to keep having kids, like that should happen. So um, the kickoff, like our big leap into real food, like I call it, was raw dairy, which sounds mm. f- quite frightening, right? And most right. people just That's like a big leap, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most yeah. most people just buy organic apples at the store or something. <laughs> <Right>? But <laughs> so we we went on the hunt for uh, raw dairy. I didn't even know what raw dairy was. I was like, raw. That sounds disgusting yep. and, and so it it's bad it's bad marketing i i call it real dairy real
0: milk i agree um, raw milk does sound formidable it and it sounds like dangerous
1: right so it's yeah. it, it's it sounds like it it's we only call it raw because we heat it and so it sounds like well, you have to cook it it's like raw meat yeah. or it's like right. raw anything else you know it's raw before it's processed in the way that makes it acceptable for consuming, but we don't believe yeah. that anymore and oh my goodness, raw dairy is such a hot topic at homegrown, yes, and we got a free guide on it like we have all the we have multiple podcast episodes on that, but that was our real jump into it. And I actually started making homemade formula with the raw dairy Mm. and also another big leap. You're just diving right in. I know. I know. (laughs) So as you can imagine, all of these big moments in my life, I had to equip myself with understanding and education. I, I had to learn more. If I was going to do this with my family, if I was going to convince Joey to um, go on, hop on board, which he absolutely was, then I had to know what I was getting our family into. So I just did a ton of researching, read a couple books, um, listened to tons of podcasts. I mean, it's the same thing I do now, but yeah. that really – um started my love of learning and understanding in the food system and it's funny because like I don't have a degree in dietetics I'm not a nutritionist I uh, have a master's degree in communication and it's like well that actually is serving me now because I'm just researching taking the information I'm finding it um, condensing it into some sort of resource and that's really what homegrown is is we're just disseminating information so
0: yeah yeah And I've been really impressed with your quality of information too. Like there's a dime a dozen blogs and stuff, but, um, you guys do those deep dives, which I think is really needed right now because we have Mm -hmm. that foundational awareness, at least in the real food circles of what is raw milk or what is grass fed meat or whatever. And then you're taking it to that next level. And I I love it, especially when you get into the history, that's like where I get super nerdy of the history of dairy or the history of the food systems. That's like all the stuff comes out in the wash when you start to look at how we got to where we are.
1: I love that too. And it's like. You know, there's not really a degree you could pursue to attack a food understanding from all those yeah. levels. So you you could go become a nutritionist and you'll understand um, a, a closer on your actual food, but that's not going to wake you up to the food system. No. Or you could, you know, study history, you could study American history and dive, uh, take a deeper dive into um, the Industrial Revolution. Maybe that would cue you in. But it's, I really try to take a multifaceted approach to the topic because it there's so much. And, and we learn, we're constantly learning. We have a podcast and we're bringing people on that are food producers. We're bringing people on that are researchers. We're bringing people on that um, have their own real food journeys to share. And that's really where the continued learning happens. And so yes. I just think, you know, because sometimes I do have a little bit of like a I'm um, like, why, who qualified me <laughs> to yeah. do all this? Yeah, And then I realized like, you know what? Um, this is, uh, I believe a special calling on my life, but also like just a passion area that uh, I wouldn't, uh, there's no academic circle I would fit in necessarily. So right. it's, um, but I, I enjoy that.
0: And I, I don't know, I think, well, that's a whole other topic. I think we're shifting now and it's not to say there isn't value in getting a degree and there's a time and place that you want to go get, you know, you don't want someone doing heart surgery after they just watched a YouTube video. Like there's a time and place to go yeah. get that level of education, but I'm seeing more and more people, um, really smart people, really well-educated people who are self-educated as adults. And like, just what you said, you asked why first You're, why is my, what happened to my daughter and why did it happen? Even if you didn't get the exact answers, you were just curious. And then you followed that curiosity. And I'm finding the people that I most enjoy learning from are the people who didn't go necessarily the prescribed route, but they just followed mm-hmm. that curiosity and they got obsessed in a really good way. I think there's something to that. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's get into some of these specifics because I I'm personally curious. Like so many times over the years, when people come to me and they're like, "How do I start homesteading?" I, I live in town, and I'm like, "I don't know to start with food." And I'll give them some ideas, but I always feel like I'm a little bit lacking. Cause I can't personally speak to some of these strategies. I can give them ideas that I hear from other people, but I am really excited to hear how you put it into practice and you're on the ground doing this. So, um, let's start off with the most basic place. Like, what do you get at Kroger? (laughs) Like, how do you navigate a Kroger and find the good stuff there?
1: Yeah. I'll just lay it all out there, let you know where we get everything. Um, Kroger is, and and we're Kroger central, right? I'm Cincinnati. Kroger's headquartered here and Kroger actually owns like a dozen or plus, um, grocery stores. So even if you're not going into a quote Kroger, it's probably a store owned by Kroger. Um, I actually think there was a recent merger where that's even more the case now. So, um, I still shop there. People are like, "Do you still go to the grocery store?" Absolutely, I do. I try to stick in season as much as I can when I'm shopping my produce. All of my produce at this point is organic. If it's not organic, I just don't buy it. Um, that being said, uh, you know one exception would be like a jalapeno. They don't sell organic jalapenos yeah. at my store. I have no idea why. Peppers are just like, nope, we're not gonna, <laughs> we're yeah. not gonna do it. So, um, yeah, I stick to, you know, the perimeter of the store. It's a pretty common phrase, but it's true for the most part. I walk right in, grab my produce for the week. Um, basic things. We, we eat a very whole food diet. So it's very simple. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a starch, it's a protein and, and a fat at every meal and, um, snacking on a lot of fruit and things like that. So I grab I grab that. I, uh, I do actually prefer my Kroger's chicken. They actually have a line of Simple Truth Organic Whole Chickens that are air chilled. So they're not being um, brought down to temp in a giant vat of chlorinated water. They're popping it right into like a big cooler and uh it's a much better product i actually prefer that product to the product from my local farm um those chickens tend to have much tougher skin and it might just be the breed of bird or something but chicken i do get and i always buy whole chicken or whole chicken parts i never buy chicken that's been butchered off the bone or taken the skin off because those pieces not only can we use those in stocks and other things later but um I'm paying for someone else to do that. And so for me, I'm just like, I will take the bird in its whole form and we will cook that bird and we will um, take any of the meat that we want off of it. Makes, last night I made soup for my kids. They're not feeling super well today. So we made a quick soup with the stock from the carcass. And then, but I couldn't have done that if I had just bought chicken, uh, boneless, um, skinless right. chicken breasts. So. That's kind of like one of my uh, biggest things is I just buy the whole animal as much as possible. Um, our Kroger actually just launched a, another line of bacon it's it's not a Kroger kind but it's like a no antibiotic um, humanely raised some of those phrases mean things some of them don't yeah. um, but for me it was a good better best and we personally just can't afford to spend you know the $12 for pastured pork at this moment every single time um, in the summer times when there's a farmer's market I, there's a fantastic farm locally here um, it, it's Webb Valley Farms if you're local and um, he, they have the best bacon, so that's where I get it. It's actually not even bacon; it's not even cured. It's just sliced uh, pork belly. So, oh, nice. Um, so, so it, again, that's seasonal, right? So he's yep. not really coming out to farmers markets. I could buy directly from him, but it's more of a convenience thing, um, if I'm being honest. So and then grass-fed butter and everything else outside of that you know if if it's something where we might buy some frozen fruit if it's like not in season and we just prefer to have a big bag of frozen blueberries to snack on um occasionally i'll buy an organic yogurt at the store if i want something that's higher in protein because my raw milk yogurt from the farm uh actually is is pretty thin and i think it's more of a traditional yogurt so it's not not gonna be super high in that but everything else comes from other places so um like i'm mentioned this herd share uh, that they have local seasonal produce they have meat that we could buy there although it's it tends to be about a dollar more than other places that I've seen so um this is kind of where you have to pick and choose where you're getting your stuff from so I I like to save money and still buy from a regenerative farm but just one that has things marked down a little bit but I never go without our raw milk. We buy three half gallons a week. Um, in Ohio right now, that's almost $6 per half gallon. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, so about so about $12 a gallon. Um, and we go through it and we use it. And I'm not someone that like loves drinking a big glass of milk. We put it in these things we call milkshakes, although there's no ice cream in it. But it's basically like raw milk and ice or frozen banana and um, maple syrup, something good in there. And our kids drink it up because that's how yeah. they'll that's how they'll take it. So I'm like, I'd love to get some good raw milk in them every day. That that's pretty much what we do. Uh, and then a lot of my pa- pantry staple items actually come from Thrive Market. So um, I don't. know. I assume Thrive is nationwide. We have to did live a, pretty close. Yeah,
0: I did it for a while. I think they're nationwide.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it depends on how far you are from their distribution centers, like how oh. quickly you get your packages. Because. Okay. My sister-in-law did it for a long time and it would take her like a week and a half to get her order. And she's like, well, now I don't even need that. Yeah, (laughs) right. We get ours in about two days. Um, But Thrive is fantastic because they have, as they've grown as an organization, they've private labeled a lot of their own stuff. So it can be much cheaper. So all of my maple syrup, and and we go through a lot of maple syrup because that's pretty much the only sweetener we use. Um, We use a little bit of organic cane sugar, but... We use maple to sweeten everything and local honey. But um, so I'm buying maple syrup. I'm buying um, and again, everything from this place is organic at this point, too. So that's fantastic. Um, everything I'm choosing to buy. I mean, um, I'm getting my spices and my seasonings from them. I For, you know, when our kids were in diapers, they had really great chlorine free diapers. If you uh, aren't doing the reusable kind. And um, let's see. Pretty much everything else, my pasta, my cans of um, – if I'm buying cans of beans or dried beans or anything like that, all of that, I can get at Thrive, which is amazing. I don't even have a code for them. I don't, I just tell yeah, people about Thrive good. and they yeah. love it. Yeah. Um, it is about $50, $59 a year membership, but I liken that to like a Costco and i don't per- i don't prefer to shop at costco just mm-hmm. cuz it overwhelms me but i know that a lot of people yeah. get a lot of great organic products there so those are my three main areas i would say kroger and then the farm every week we spend probably 30% of our food budget at the farm And then Thrive Market, I'm usually ordering about once a month. I really try not to order any more than that. And then in the summertime or in um, different seasons, that's when we kind of branch out into our local farmer's market or if we're traveling in a different part of town and we see a cute little shop, um, like we just discovered a little shop about 20 minutes from us. It's like got some great organic options. So that's kind of how we stock our family kitchen. I like it. And um, do you have Azure there? Can you get Azure? We do have Azure. I have been hesitant to do it just because I'm like, I don't know what the pickup dates? Am I going to be busy? Yeah. I don't <laughs> but well, other yeah. than that.
0: And that's where I was. Um, I took a long break off Azure because I couldn't coordinate the pickup dates. And it was like 45 minutes. And then I would drive to town and they were like, actually, we're not coming today. And I'm like, yeah. Ah. Um, but, so I was using Thrive Market in the interim period, which was awesome. And then we now have the drop at our house. So which I, oh, everyone's cool. like, thank you so much for doing the drop. And I'm like, it's really selfish because it yeah. comes to my house and I don't have to worry about scheduling it that's um, how
1: we yeah. are with our farm with our herd share we happen to be one of the drops and they're nice. like thanks so much for yeah. hosting i'm like honestly it just comes yeah. to my front door totally I'm thankful for it yeah
0: exactly i'm like it's yeah, yeah i know i'm willing to sacrifice for you guys <laughs> like, right mm. right um so you mentioned so your herd share do you get other dairy products i know you said the grass fed butter you're getting at kroger but are you doing you said yogurt maybe from the farm sometimes yes.
1: Yes, okay. I. They do provide butter, a raw butter, and I just don't like it. Jill, I've tried yeah. it and yeah. I, multiple times. It's it's almost like they're not getting all the buttermilk out. That's like very it's possible. too tangy. And yeah. I think it's just sitting and kind of becoming cultured really quick. Yeah. And because I've used, because they'll sell their milk, they'll they'll sell their cream separately, which is like really thick because they're mechanically separating yeah. it. And I've used their whole raw cream to make my own butter. And it's not that way. So I think it's just an issue of how they're making it. Um they do have yogurt they have kefir they've got all kinds of stuff we buy our eggs from them that's another thing i should say Mm. i i was like why is everyone talking about egg prices what are you saying i'm five (laughs) dollars a dozen it always has been and then i realized like oh i'm not buying my eggs at kroger so yeah that is one thing um i i do still buy the grass-fed butter from kroger just because i prefer it and we go Mm -hmm. through a lot of butter yeah um but butter and coconut oil, I would say, are two main cooking fats. And The coconut oil, I'm buying at Thrive too. So that's yes. – it really is simple to those three. And I find that that's just – I know what I like. I, this has been like an evolution over seven or eight years. You'll find brands you like. You'll find companies you like. And is it all perfect? No. Is it still being transported across the country? Yes. Is Are there – Someone, I don't think anyone's producing uh, local organic coconut fat, but no, um, don't think so. you know that's always gonna <laughs> yeah. be an imported crop, yes. uh, just yeah. like our coffee. But other than that, um, yeah, it's 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 that simple,
0: yeah. um, I just like how you're I, I like that you're balanced I feel like you're very balanced. like you're looking for the whole foods, you're you're committed to the nourishing ingredients, but it's not that because you could literally spend many, many hours a week worrying and and driving all over and obsessing over all the little last details. And I think that sometimes stress is just as bad for us as seed oils and, and you know, Crisco. So I think yeah. balance is
1: important. And, and I have done that. And I was that person. And I yeah. don't even, I don't even enjoy shopping at Whole Foods. And I recently shopped there just cause I was close to one. It was a better experience than I had thought. But like if there's a store where you're like, I just don't like shopping in here. Yeah. Um, they have fantastic meat options. I will say they have really great local, um, pasture raised, everything, pork, beef, chicken. Um, if that's close to you and that's great, do it. If I felt like I needed a better source for any of those things, I would do it. So when it comes to our meat situation, we do actually, we have a, a deer, on our front porch in a cooler right now waiting to be processed by us, but (laughs) we do put our deer, our venison, we pack that away. And then every year we buy um, a portion of a cow. So last year we split a half. So we got a quarter for our family and it lasted about four months. So we were like, well, we need the whole half. So we're going to get that in June of this year. And so, and then in the interim, there's some great um, beef companies that will ship to you, or you can lots of people selling locally I love my local beef rancher I've been to his house I've ridden on his little buggy thing we've gone all up and down the hills I've met the cows like it's great and and that's part of the thing too is I think it's good to have a balance of if you do live in the suburbs or an urban setting find someone that um, you can connect with like put a face to your food any opportunity you can even if it's like someone at this restaurant that you love and you're like, oh this is the best cuisine. I could never make it at home. I love going to this place. Meet them, meet their chef, talk to them. I'm sure they have a story. Um connecting to your food in that way, I think is just really powerful. So we um and we're a part of the local Weston A Price chapter. And so that's another easy way to get plugged in. That's how I found my beef rancher actually is, um, finding those people, they usually have a great list of local food for you. So, and and sometimes they even sell it at the meetings. So that's great too.
0: And that was my next question was actually, how, how do you, what was your, what would be your advice for someone who's like, I've only shopped at Walmart my whole life. Like, where do I find all these hidden little herd shares and ranchers? So Mm -hmm. it sounded like you were just networking, um, with foodie people. And then it just kind of, one thing leads to another.
1: Yes. I would say farmmatch.com. Oh, probably my top resource. It's okay. not a dating website, although it sounds, <laughs> sounds like, like one. like a dating website. You need to work on their branding. <laughs> farm Match. Um, they're great. And from everyone I've talked to, I mean, I've given that link out Ooh. thousands of times. And most people can find not even just like a herd share situation, just a local farm. Okay. They can go meet up with. They can email them. They can talk to them. It's it's a great, great resource for farmers as well to... um tap into their local network because otherwise you're right. How do you find these people? We can't just walk up onto someone's farm. So um, Farm Match is great. Um, I wish I had the full list in front of me. I believe there's another one called eatwild.org.
0: Sounds familiar. Is it yeah. great?
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure that one's .org. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of just like almost like databases where you can search local uh, farms near you, ranches, Um beekeepers, if you want honey, the, the the one thing that is kind of tricky for me to source that I typically just have to buy directly from the person is salt. And mm. right now I'm really loving Jacobson's salts. They're on the other side of the country, um, on the West coast and, uh, they're mining salt right from, I believe the Oregon coast actually. And it's, oh, it's wow. fantastic. Okay. And they, yeah, it's really good clean salt and, and yeah, it's it was like $18 to ship unless you bought $100 worth of salt and I thought, well, I'm never going to not need salt. So I just bought the yeah. eight canisters, stacked them away. I couldn't bring myself to pay $18 for shipping yep. <laughs> when I could have just bought another thing of salt. So salt is is one of those that's kind of a weird thing. People don't really think about it. They're like, oh, I'll just get the Mortons at the store. Yeah. Well, if you want to transition out of your table salt and get real unrefined salt, there's a couple good places you can do that.
0: Yeah. And that's an easy switch. I think that people underestimate. Um, I know when we switched over, I was like, what have I been eating? Um, And there's more minerals. And yeah, it's it's drastically different. Mm -hmm. Hey, everyone. I wanted to interrupt this episode for just a second to talk about my latest obsession. And that is beef tallow. Believe it or not. Um, so, I've been using tallow to cook with for quite a few years. But in the last couple of years, I've started using it on my skin and I kind of fell in love with it all over again. So, prior to my beef tallow renaissance, I was using all the fancy like skincare products that they tell you you have to have. You know, you got the eye creams and the serums and the tighteners and the toners and all these fancy things. And then I decided to maybe rethink that and take a little bit more of an old-fashioned approach. And I asked myself, what would our ancestors have used before we had all these marketers telling us we had to use all these fancy, expensive things? And that kind of took me down this road towards animal fats. Because Not only are they super sustainable, but they just make sense since they match the composition of our skin. And I can personally attest that my skin absolutely loves it. Like it's never been happier. Um, I get comments on my skin all the time. I actually had my makeup done recently by a professional. um, And as she was doing my makeup, she kept commenting. She's like, your skin is so happy and it's so well moisturized. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, um, beef tallow. She was not expecting me to say that, but it was pretty cool that she said, you know, normally I see people from dry climates like you and their skin is just really thirsty and yours is just the opposite. It's really happy. Um, So it's pretty cool that beef tallow, this old fashioned solution can work so very well and keep our skin super happy and healthy without a bunch of added chemicals and seed oils. And my very favorite place to get all of my beef tallow skincare products is Tubes & Co. Um, They are a small homestead family who recognize this need for skincare products and makeup that didn't have all the junky toxic ingredients in them. And they stepped up and they have taken off in recent years just because their products are so amazing. So right now I'm wearing Tubes & Co. mascara and Tubes & Co. tinted Tallow lip balm, and I have tallow on as a moisturizer, and I absolutely love not only their company but their products. Just because they have real recognizable ingredients, um, and they work really, really well. It, they're a high quality product. It's a great experience using them, and my skin has never been happier. So I'm thrilled to have a coupon code for Tubes and Co. for you today. If you type in the code Homestead uh, when you check out over on their website, you'll save 15% on your order. And if you'd like to go shopping, just head on over to the prairiehomestead.com slash makeup, and you can see all they have to offer, not just the tallow products, but they also have all those makeups. They have deodorants, um, cleansers, and things like that. So I can't wait for you to rethink your skincare in an old-fashioned way. And I think it's a wonderful place where we can really embrace this idea of looking to the past to move forward. So check it on out. Hoops and co over at the prairie homestead.com slash makeup. Now back to our episode. Um, what kind of, do you, do you practice any old fashioned or maybe homestead? I using that term loosely kitchen techniques that kind of give you a boost with the ingredients that you're sourcing in your suburban area. What do you do in your kitchen to kind of give more bang to your buck? I know you mentioned broth, which I'm totally not surprised you're making broth. Um, what else do you mm-hmm. do?
1: Yeah, I mean sourdough all day long. Um that is the other thing too. I I buy directly from a flour miller. Mm. Um I I do kind of a 50-50 split. So I'll actually use one flour that's a little bit cheaper, but still organic. Uh it's just um King Arthur's organic mm-hmm. bread flour. It's 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 highly refined and there's really no um, beautiful richness to that flour anymore, but I use it to feed my starter. And if I'm making like a big batch of something, I might use some of that flour because I'm really trying to be economical here. And then I use my freshly milled stone ground um, flour that I actually get from a friend in Canada. She, um, it's called Better Basics Milling. We had her on our show. She's fantastic, but love her flour. I've tried so many flours, and hers is my favorite by far. Um, so I use tons of water flour and salt to make sourdough everything that we make in our kitchen is sourdough based we don't use any packets of instant yeast and honestly like that's where the money saving really comes in is we can we can make for just pennies almost beautiful loaves of bread sourdough pizzas we can make cinnamon rolls so often people are like oh I I don't I could never get through a whole crusty loaf of bread. I think I might just waste that. Well, then make sandwich bread. Yeah, You can make anything with sourdough starter culture. It's just natural wild yeast cultivated in this thing that you add um, to basically inoculate the entire loaf so that those yeast can eat through the starches and release CO2, and then you get beautiful big bubbles. So sourdough is kind of that old-fashioned – practice the broth making I will say like it sounds simple but butchering your whole uh, an entire animal is actually a lot of work so yeah we are processing those that deer um at our kitchen counter we're, we're doing everything my husband will hang it for a couple of days then debone it we'll bring it in cut it into steaks um grind it we we have a we borrow a grinder actually we don't even own one so it's like there's so many things where it's like you don't have to invest in the 600 hundred dollar meat grinder just because you want to hunt like yep. and and hunting is a skill that's often passed down and that's the other part of this conversation too is, is so often people are like, "Hey, how can I save money on my food?" I'm like, "Well, how willing are you to learn the skills necessary to do that?" I mean, people are intimidated by broth, and that's yep. just like putting some chicken parts <laughs> or, or beef or venison or, um, vegetable scraps in a pot with water and simmering it, and that's intimidating because, and I'm not blaming them for being intimidating. It's intimidating because, no one has probably ever done that before for them. They've never seen that in action. And, um, we have just gotten so far away from what real food is that it's hard for us to recognize it even when it's right in front of us. So, you know, I'd say like 80% of the stuff in our kitchen is made from scratch, which is again, a lot. And something I'm realizing too, is like the scratch made home kitchen when you're homeschooling three kids who, you know, we need to eat all three meals, it creates so many dishes. Yes. Like so many dishes. It and it's, it's to the point where I was like, no, I need to schedule time in my day to do the dishes. It's a 45-minute chore. It's not like, oh, yeah, I'll do them later. Yeah. No. If you're, yeah. on, if you're on this real food journey and you're cooking from scratch and we don't use a microwave, it's like one big thing. Everyone's like, how do you survive? Well, we heat everything in the oven or on the stove. And so what does that create? Extra dishes. Yeah, pots and pans. Yeah pots and pans all yeah. the time. And, um, we even got rid of all of our nonstick pans recently. So we're doing ceramic, which has to be like washed a certain way. Yep. You, you just can't scratch it. Um, or we're, you know, boiling off our cast iron pans, which is actually pretty simple. And, uh, yeah. So That's not necessarily a food based old fashioned thing, but it's, it is like a, I feel like we need to talk about it more. Like, if you're going to be on this real food journey, you're going to have a lot of dishes to do. We fortunately love like solid lard dish soap, and it's a game changer. I don't, I haven't used liquid soap in over a year. Wait, solid lard dish soap? Yes. Like, it's in a bar? we make it. Yeah. Oh, and it's, oh, oh, okay. it works so well. It's so oh. sudsy. My hands are like not dried out from all the soap. Okay. Like, I don't even know. Dawn dish detergent or whatever. Oh, this is, mm. oh if you're making soap at all, it's yeah. so simple. I've made, so, make, I mean, I've made it,
0: soap and I've made, I've made tallow and lard soap. I'm like, why have I never thought about using it on my dishes? You just know. like rocks my world, Liz. Yeah, I know. This it's, is, it's really this is the a the moment when I figured this out. Oh my gosh.
1: Okay. It really is. And yeah, you can make it from home. I do believe we, we might eventually try to have a shop with some available because people yeah. keep asking for it. Um, but yeah, if you know how to make soap and you're yeah. you're in that game, it's so simple. Just
0: and it's a, it. 100% lard? So it's, are you mixing it with I've any done, other oils?
1: I've done some mixtures. Yeah. Okay. I like lard and tallow. I like a little coconut oil in there. Um... And it's just your lie, and then after it cures, the lye yeah. is no longer present in the bar of soap anymore. So it's just really saponified lard and whatever other fat you put in. Tallow works great too. And and part of my thing is like, I guess you would call that old fashioned for that's sure. Way that's way old, old fashioned. yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> part of my thing is like, well, how can I? I really want to support people doing agriculture with integrity, yep. and if I want to drive demand for grazing cattle um or forest red forest fed um pigs pastured pigs acorn fed like whatever you want to call pigs pigs don't just eat grass right right. um if you want to encourage that kind then then we need to start opening up sectors of the market to drive that market demand what better thing than a solid dish soap that doesn't use any plant oils with the exception of coconut, if you want to, you absolutely don't need the coconut oil in there. Yeah. Um, it's just like something that I've been looking around my house, thinking about how can I, like, everything wants to go plant-based. Yeah. Everything wants to be vegan. And I'm like, I'm going to counteract that. I'm actually going to see how can I ethically utilize animal products where it makes sense. Yep. Get rid of the plastic, go back to like natural fibers, um, which come from plants, but still yep. you can do wool yes. or you can do leather. Um, it's just kind of a mindset change for me. So that's, um, it's been fun to kind of think through like, how would this have been made if we didn't invent plastic, you know? Exactly. So. Yeah.
0: And those questions are are gold because those lead you down the good rabbit trails. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've also been, I mean, I've known about Lardentillo. I've used them for a decade, but I've kind of like mm-hmm. fell in love with them all over again lately. Um, I, well, we, we harvest them from our own animals, but we have grass finished beef. So we don't get a ton of tallow off of them. But Mm -hmm. I found our butcher who's just like four miles down the road. He's selling, um, the, the pork fat and beef fat for two bucks a pound. So now I'm like, (gasps) and it was like four miles down the road. We're, we're far away from everything. So four miles is like feels like I can just walk out the door barefoot almost and get, (laughs) so now I'm like, what can I do with all this fat? He has like a giant freezer full and I'm like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it's just, yeah, it's super fun because that was a really important part of, um, an old fashioned life. They were using animal fats for everything back in the day. And then we completely got off of it. And now people are like, what's tallow? What's like, people don't even know what it is. Um, so it's that awareness coming back into play again.
1: Yeah. I use tallow for all my skincare. It's 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 the only thing I use. And I don't, I'm not into like a big beauty routine. I actually think the less I wash my face, the nicer it looks. I agree. My hair is the same way. I know
0: people are always like, tell me what you do with your hair. And I'm like, you don't want to know because I don't wash it
1: very much. Uh, Is this
0: happier when it's not every day? So yeah. Right. Um, Right. That is an
1: old fashioned practice as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, they did it for probably other Other reasons. reasons. (laughs) Like they didn't have any hot water, but you know, it works well. Um, Right. Yeah. It's funny how I think we've been marketed so thoroughly as a culture that we, so many things that we think are normal are just not. It's just we've been told we need them. We've been told we need expensive face creams and fancy shampoos and fancy dish soaps. And when you peel it all back, it's shocking how little we actually need to thrive.
1: Yes. And I live in P&G's headquarters. Like Mm -hmm. Cincinnati is where P&G is headquartered as well. We got the two big ones, Kroger and P&G. And, uh, you know, they employ a lot of people grateful for that, but wow, I don't need any of that. Like I don't, um, I really pared down the stuff that we were using in our home. Cause people always say, do you have a non-toxic recommendation for this? I'm like, well, I just don't use it. Like I don't have a face wash because I don't wash my face with that i might use like an oil cleansing thing but yeah it's the same way with your food do you have a non-toxic or do you have a a healthier version of cream of mushroom soup no i i just uh i use the real ingredients and i i don't really make dishes that require pre-made ingredients if that makes sense so you just you just switch up your mindset a little bit and Mm -hmm. it, it does take some learning and some uh skill practicing for sure it does
0: and i still i mean obviously i still have revelations because i've been using just a non-toxic liquid dish soap from the you know natural grocers so now i'm like oh, i don't even have to do that anymore i'm gonna go to the butcher down the road and get pig fat and use that yes. to wash my
1: dishes so yeah the the key there is like get a nice um meshy dish cloth that mm. really helps it suds it's i it use that and the other thing, our dish brushes are literally made with maple wood and horsehair. Like, oh, again, nice. so not vegan, yes. the opposite yes. <laughs> of vegan. But like, what would we have done if we didn't create yeah. those plastic bristles? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I have a lot of passion around just like switching home uh, everyday products, yes. elevating our standard to uh, match maybe what we would have had in the olden days. Yeah. So.
0: And I think, I mean, we could do a whole episode on the whole plant-based thing because that gets me super Mm. fired up but like people don't realize that you're using those byproducts like the fat is a byproduct of the the beef or the pork industry um and you're using that and it's it's sustainable and it's it's preventing waste or even with just like maple wood and horsehair, like those are sustainable ingredients that melt into the earth they they decompose into the earth and they're not going to go sit in the landfill so people i feel like there's just that huge missing understanding of um biodegradable and sustainable versus plastic and plant-based and we're, we're just missing that in the conversation
1: we definitely are and yeah and that doesn't even cover the nutritional differences but uh, yeah well, i mean we could that's a whole. <laughs> that, that is <laughs> a, a full episode a yeah, yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure
0: um Yeah. What is the pulse of the food scene in suburbia? I mean, I'm assuming you have a lot of friends who, who are maybe like you. So maybe that's not, that's not an easy question to answer, but do you feel like there's more of an awakening or an awareness or not?
1: You know, I do this really terrible thing and I, when I'm in Kroger, I look through other people's carts. I'm going to be honest. I do that I'm i not, I'm just scanning yeah. to see, take inventory, you know, what are people buying? What are we doing? Yeah. Um, and if that is what I'm judging it off of, I would say, no, people are mm. not waking up because I just see like so much Coke, so, so much packaged food. It's almost like they forgot the perimeter of the store was there and yeah. they just shopped the middle aisles. And, that's how I grew up to be honest. So I don't blame them. Um, I do think that our grocery stores are 95% fake food and like you have to search for the real food. So it's hard. It makes it very hard on the consumer. But in terms of like restaurants, I would say it it depends obviously where you are, but there's a few neighborhoods in town um, all around the city that have really amazing restaurants, far, true farm-to-table. Not just uh, it's a funny little slogan to slap on your sign, but actually t- telling you who their sources are and how they have relationships with them. And this is where we get this beef from, and this is where we so- source our pork. And this bread is made from the bakery across the street. Mm-hmm. And of course, those places are always going to be um, like three to five times more expensive, right? So that's the tricky thing. So maybe don't eat out as much. And when when you do, you go visit a place like that. That's typically what me and Joey do. Um, But that to me is is encouraging. I I like to see new restaurants popping up or restaurants that have been around for maybe five years. They survived the whole shutdown situation, which is encouraging. And then we have people that we can support when we want to eat out. We don't necessarily want to make every single meal ourselves. So on that front, yes, I would say it is changing. And again, it kind of depends what circles you run in, but you know, it tends to be in the homeschool world. People are pretty close knit. If you're homeschooling, you're probably also cooking at home. You're doing other things at home. Home just is like the center of your life. And so for those people, yeah, I think that they're there is a shift happening. And, and I think, you know, it, it just based off of the amount of people that have purchased our curriculum, it's like other yeah. families needed it. So it, it, it does, Um, it just depends on where you look, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I noticed just the, even just my personal friends, you know, we've been doing our weird home study things for, I don't know, 14 years now, but just the amount of people who are in my circles who are now like slinging sourdough on a, like, it's no big deal on a regular basis. Whereas when we started, that was not even in their vernacular. And you know, more mm-hmm. people have chickens and more people are calling me about broth and kombucha. And so I think all that's good. But like, like you said, when you go to the grocery store, it doesn't feel like that's changing. Um, and I was even doing some research for my upcoming book and it kind of was disheartening. They said that grocery stores are actually starting to shift to more ready made food items. So th- that's like the new push of like, you know, they're getting more those counters with prepackaged meals and stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 wrong direction. <laughs> like we need to go back yeah. to the ingredients. So I'm curious. I wish maybe there is a study I'll have to look for, but it'd be interesting to see the data. Cause I feel like ha- a part of the country is going further into the nourishing whole ingredients and the rest are kind of pushing the other way. Maybe it's just a symptom of our overall polarization on everything else. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And, and I would say like, It's probably really hard for the research to reflect reality because if you're only looking at big box grocery stores – then you're, yeah, you're talking about people who want their food coming from a centralized place and prepackaged yeah. from them. If you're like, uh, I mean, even us, I just listed our basis of food, and it's, it's three places at least that we're getting our food from. So, yeah. for someone to ask me in a research study, it's like they would have to dig deeper. They'd have to follow the people and see yeah. where they're getting their food, than just look at packaged products in the store. I will yeah. say that uh, Joey. And I never, I said, I never even look down the frozen food aisle because I don't even know what's in there unless I'm getting um, frozen fruit. But he found an organic pot sticker, frozen, hmm. ready-made. I was like, what? Pretty clean ingredients. We fried them up as a little snack instead of, you know, like ordering a pizza because mm-hmm. that would be worse yeah. and more expensive. And, oh, my gosh, they were so good. He, like, made up a sauce with it. Thanks. Just with stuff we had in our house. And so, you know – would I want that to be my dinner every night? Absolutely not. Is there some convenience that we can have when um, the package label has decent options? then yeah, that's yeah. cool. but yeah, the grocery store, you really do have to decentralize your sourcing of food when you get into into real food, and so it's yeah. kind of a bad I agree. hard place.
0: Yeah. yeah, and the research like you said, I think that would be pretty tough to get an actual realistic data set yeah. there. Yeah. So um, I think that's a great segue into that other piece of this conversation that I definitely want to address because it's such a hot topic right now. And that's just the the rising costs. I mean, I, I don't, I can't even get on social media without someone, you know, posting something, freaking out about inflation and eggs and all, all the things going up and everyone's really upset about it. So um, I know for us, it hasn't impacted us as much just because, you know, we're sourcing or growing our food elsewhere. When we do go to the grocery store, my husband usually does the little bit of grocery shopping that we do. And he's always like, everything's more expensive. But so I've seen it in some, you know, we've definitely seen it, but it doesn't affect us maybe as much. Um, But what are your strategies? And it sounds like you kind of were already budget conscious before inflation happened to begin with. So you, you Mm kind of have that mindset, which I really appreciate. You're not just going to whole foods and just going crazy. You're, you're really careful, but what are some of your best bits of advice for someone who is trying to eat better on a budget?
1: Ooh, I, I love this topic and I actually, I feel like I give an answer that, uh, well, I'll just dive into it. So you're right. We were budget conscious actually during COVID. Um, my husband's business was shut down. We were on unemployment for 19 months. We, you know, we have been in the lowest of lows financially, or we've been stable. So that is a a pain point for me when I see you know folks on Instagram who are just like, oh yeah, get get everything in Whole Foods. You'll be mm-hmm. good to go. Just five hundred dollars a month. It's yeah, about, or five hundred dollars a week. Yeah. Um. So with that being said, though, before we even have the conversation around budgeting your food, for me, I have to ask people, where is your household income going? Like, for example, um, we're actually working on a resource right now that talks about real food on a budget and just in doing some of the um, digging on that. In the 1900s, we were spending about 40% of our household income on our food, and then that dwindled to like uh, less than 10% in 2003, so over 100 years. And there's reasons for that, right? We spend roughly 50% on our um, housing and transportation, and um, we now have higher health care costs as a country. And while we might not be spending that on our household income, that's reflected in from like an employer standpoint. So we've got dollars flying everywhere And it's always the question to me because I used to sit in this space where I was trying to squeeze the smallest amount of money um, for our grocery bill. Like the food we eat every day, I was trying to dwindle that number Mm. down. Oh, maybe I can get it to 80 bucks a week. Maybe I can get it to 60 bucks a week when we had kids, which is insane. And then I realized that I was obsessing over a food budget because we were always exceeding it and it wasn't working. Mm. So then I started to look at our overall household income and say, what percentage would be an appropriate amount to spend on our food? And right now we hover around 19% of our household. Our gross income is on food, which is a lot. It's, It's over double the average. But Where we were able to make that happen was we opted out of traditional insurance. We're part of like a health sharing thing where it's Mm like 300 bucks a month for a full family of five. Um, We've driven cars without car payments, like beater cars um, for seven plus years. We only recently bought a a new vehicle and that is after like seven years and saving up. So we chose to drive really, really uh well, no payment cars yep. minus the everyday maintenance. And so we looked around. We, we bought our house at a relatively decent price. Um, luckily for us, we're in a good neighborhood. So it's the the home value has gone up. We've had to refinance a couple of times. Or, well, one time. But um, there's just other areas in your life that you should probably be looking to pare down before you would start attacking your food budget. Um, any subscription, we cut out. The only, I think we only pay for one subscription and everything else we have logins from family and friends or um, it came with our phone bill or something. So that is where I always encourage people because if you're going in saying I want to spend the least amount of money on my food, I would ask you why. Because your food is literally fueling you and your family. And so, yeah, if you want to eat the cheapest food in the world, you're welcome to do that. But your health will eventually start showing that you're eating the cheapest food in the world. Okay. so But then on the other spectrum of that, you could be a real food enthusiast and blow 800 bucks a week easy on food because there's so much. And you want to eat the exact same way you were eating before, just buying everything organic now, which will increase your budget exponentially. So that's another piece too. As I say, we really simplified what we were buying. If I'm buying a box of crackers now, I know that that box of crackers is like a luxury because it's an organic brand it's a little bit high, it's probably three dollars and fifty cents but it gets eaten in like a day yeah so for me that three dollars and fifty cents that gets eaten in a day is more expensive than the five dollar carton of eggs i get which lasts me maybe four days or five days right even though it's a different price point it's just what is your nourishment quality for the amount of money that you're spending i, I wouldn't I wouldn't waste money on low nutrient foods unless it's for like a celebratory purpose. You know, mm-hmm. we, we do big birthday celebrations or we do big movie nights and things like that. And for that, um, yeah, I, I don't ever stress about uh, the low quality of the potato chip um, sure. As long as I'm getting it with a better oil or something like yep. that. Oh, we'll buy avocado oil chips, things like that. But I'm not like, oh, this doesn't have enough protein. Of course it doesn't. It's a potato chip. Yeah. So call your food what it is and focus on getting your bang for your buck. The, the biggest example I always give was that whole chicken. I, For years, I would have bought and I would have purchased the boneless, skinless chicken breast and then walked down to the soup aisle and got, grabbed a carton of stock. And that's yeah. silly because I could just buy a whole chicken for cheaper and make the stock myself. And honestly, that stock's not going to have been um, pasteurized. It's not going to have been sitting in a carton on a shelf for how many months. It's not going to have any extra fillers or anything else. And it's not going to cost me like 8 or $9 for two cups of it. It's going to be much cheaper. So learning how to make chicken stock, which is the basis of so many foods, any kind of sauce, every kind of soup, um, you can use it to cook your rice in. You could probably use it to cook your oatmeal in. Like if it's mild enough, you can use it for so much. You could sneak it in smoothies if you wanted. Um, and it's a it's a nutrient powerhouse. It's 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 amazing. So stock is one thing. Making our at home um from scratch sourdough baked goods saves us money. Now, this is where the time piece comes in because When we're not spending money, we are spending our time. It does take a little bit of time to build a sourdough starter and, um, first of all, learn the process of sourdough, but then also to make the actual bread, right? That's costing you time. Um, For our garden in the summer, I didn't really mention it this time because our summer summer garden really was a flop last year, which made me so sad. Um, But if you're not going to buy your produce in the grocery store during the summer, you're saving so much money. But you're probably spending a lot of time in that garden. So the time versus money uh, dichotomy is a real thing. And so you can leverage that however you want. If you're like, hey, I don't have any time this week. Yeah, your grocery budget might be a little bit higher. If you're like, hey, I've got some time. If I just wake up 30 minutes earlier and start this stock here and feed the starter here, um, you can build it in. So those are some things I have found that having a direct source to your food is not only... Um, comforting like when these food shortages happen but also we're less likely to see fluctuation in prices if we're seeing an increase in price it's because I know my farmer's food cost has increased some capacity so um, or some other budget on their end it's it's not this like lottery um, stock market version of the eggs at the grocery store right oh well they're jacking it up let's jack ours up too yep Um, And I'm sure those farmers from the grocery store also have reasons to increase prices. But I find that we're a little bit protected when we're closer to our actual food source, say, utilizing your local food economy. So those are some like basic things for me. It's like, and if you're kind of waiting for your financial situation to change, if you're like, Liz, that's great for you, but I can't even dream of buying an organic apple, then you can again, use your time and educate yourself in the waiting. While you're yeah. waiting, start learning, start reading, start watching documentaries, start putting together your idea of what a nourished household would look like when your resources come your way. If you're like, hey, I, um, I, I, don't ha- I can't afford any of that. Um, eventually, I'm probably going to want to learn this skill. Okay, well, learn that skill now the best you can and put your time to, to, to work while you don't have the financial means to go purchase the exact brand or category of food that you, that you want to. So yeah, those are my, my basics that I would
0: say. So good. And I think, I think it's such an important point that something is going to give somewhere. So you either, you buy the cheap standard American diet food, and then you pay later in your health. Uh, and the, and there's other ways that that co- it costs us a lot, or you buy the organic food at the grocery store. That's like, you know, the organic crackers, the organic potato chips, and then you have a lot higher grocery bill or you invest the time. So it's just, you're paying in some way, shape or form, whether it's dollars, your health or your time, it's just your choice of where you want to put it. And I think those skills though, they cannot be overstated in how, how crucial they are. Um, and like I've said, pe- to people for years it's they're not that hard like we have that we've been sold this idea that broth is complicated and sourdough bread is complicated and you know this is way out of your your um comfort zone and it's really not true i think the marketing has done a great job of convincing us we're incapable but it's it's really just not that hard like you said
1: yeah. And and that's one of the reasons why when I wrote a sourdough guide for beginners, I made it free because I was like, well, I don't need to be the gatekeeper of this mm-hmm. particular information. I'm myself not a professional baker. This is the information I found most helpful. This is the way I explain things. And um, same thing with our raw dairy guide. We did a whole guide on raw dairy. And again, I was like, I don't, I'm not going to sell this because for me, this isn't me curating a curriculum for your kids to go through. This is just you understanding the basics yeah. of dairy. And while it does take me a ton of time and energy to do that, it, it's, it's something I love doing. So yeah, and we have so much access to free information. And yes. so people really don't like, like you should see the comment sections. <laughs> in some of my posts where I talk about this time versus money dichotomy yeah. people don't they want to tell you they have no time and they have no money yeah. and when I push back on them and I say you have some of each you have some let's work with it yes let's think about working with it and then uh it does it requires us to really try to um, be intentional about every hour spent and every dollar spent and that can be frustrating for people who already feel burnt out i get that we were like i said we were there we yeah. were we were on unemployment for a long time and um there's just there's always a way that you can uh make things work even if it's not your perfect situation yes. right now you can at least be working towards your perfect situation in the future so yeah
0: I love that. Such good advice. And then, yeah, we've, we've been in that position too. We've had low budget and low time and there was always something, there's always something you can do. Um, I always ask myself, how bad do you want it? Like it's going to take some sacrifice or something. How bad do you want it? But it pays off. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, anything else that we miss that you'd want to add or throw in there as we wrap up?
1: Hmm. I don't know. I think we covered a lot. I, I love all these topics. I, I, at the end of the day, I hope people listening just feel encouraged like yes I didn't know how to make sourdough bread even a couple years ago and I figured it out like you said it's yeah. not that hard I didn't know how to make soap until I was like I don't want to stop buying this garbage liquid soap at the store yes. figured it out read a yeah. free blog bought the ingredients started making soap it's actually cheaper to just make it myself um just yeah, be encouraged. I mean, I know not everyone has like crazy interest in like the food industry and raw milk like I do, but um, like that's kind of why we're here. So if there if there's something where you're like, oh, I wish I understood that topic better, utilize the people who are passionate in that area and want to share that information. So your yeah. your page obviously is another great example of that. So much amazing content on YouTube, so many amazing people in your community, likely find them, talk to them and do not let discouragement stop you from pursuing a real food lifestyle for your family. Yeah.
0: And I love that you're putting that message out there just because also, um, you're not, you're doing it in the suburbs, which is to me, yeah. I mean, for me, even though I come from a homestead, I think that's, to me, that's more inspiring than, than the person farming, because you're doing it in the situation of the, the majority of humans. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, and you're making it work and you're feeding your family, good food and you've overcome those obstacles. So that just, it makes me so excited. And I think we need more totally. people like you out there showing how it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. Can you remind everybody one more time where to find you? Yeah.
1: So uh, we have a website, homegrowneducation.org. That's where all those free resources are. We also have paid resources, uh, real food curriculum for kids. We've got a couple of meal plans on there. Um, And then on Instagram, it's at homegrown underscore education is our handle. And so lots of information on Instagram. I post every week. We're on stories all the time usually like the most helpful stuff is like what I'm eating that day. So if you're like, Oh, what's, what's she cooking? How's she eating? Where's she getting this stuff? I'm, I'm just an open book. So if you want that information, it's there. Uh, and then we have a podcast called the homegrown podcast. That's anywhere you listen to podcasts, mainly Spotify, Google podcasts and Apple podcasts. But yeah, that's kind of the three places to find us. Awesome.
0: You guys will like her information if you haven't followed her yet or followed Liz before she's it's meaty. Like I said, it's good. It's, it's high quality and it's a deep dive. So you, if you like this podcast, you will like her stuff as well. So
1: mm, yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah. Thanks again, Liz. This was so good and so informative. And now I'm going to go make some lard dish soap. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and, please do. Yes. And, and let me know. I will, I will. It I will
0: post it and, and tag you. Um, but yeah, yeah, keep up the good work. And, uh, I'm just so honored to have had this conversation and to have a connection with you because you're doing good stuff in the world. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I really appreciate it.